live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in the studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more. You are currently listening to the entertainment edition of the ODPH, but we definitely want to continue the conversation with you after the show. So definitely swing on over to odphpodcast.com, joining the conversation on Facebook, on Instagram, Twitter, Podchaser. Drop that five-star review while you're there. TikTok, you name it, we are on there. and Just use the hashtag ODPHpod. We pop right up. That all being said, we want to kick off this edition recapping what is going on in the fallout of the first major con of the year, would you say, Pat? Yeah, I'd say so. I'm sure there's probably been some other ones, but this is like the first of the big, you know, three, four, whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. So we are going to be recapping the events of Comic-Con at Home, otherwise known as San Diego Comic-Con 2021 Part 1. A.K.A. the best opportunity most of us will have to get into that con. Correct. So obviously this time of year we do know it's synonymous with the big hall h moments and everything that goes on in san diego and obviously they decided to do virtual this year yeah which is perfectly understandable and last year they went virtual as well and they were the first ones to kick off the virtual con era i guess you would say yeah and last year was met with mixed results so this year there's a lot going into it marvel dc all did not have panels scheduled yep. for it for their movie projects. Yep. So this one we previewed last week, and we did find some gems that we wanted to talk about. And then the fallout is where we're going to kind of deep dive into because there are some stories that came out of this. Yeah. So there was some definite news, and we do definitely want to thank everybody involved with putting San Diego Comic-Con at home together. Did a great job. And let's just jump into a pad. What panels were sticking out to you, would you say? Oh, I was a little busy, so I didn't get to see everything. But the couple I did see, obviously, the Dragon Ball Super 1 jump, uh, jumped out at me uh, simply because, hey, I'm really excited for it. That, Like I mentioned on last week's show, um, and I should note there's the, the one show, Dragon Ball Heroes, that's not canon. So, you know, I realize that's ongoing, but that's not canon. But in terms of the canon, you know, timeline... Dragon Ball Super Broly was the latest thing to happen in the timeline, and that came out a couple years ago. I want to say that came out in 2019, 2018, something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's been, and, and the anime has been off for quite a while. Now, I know the manga for Dragon Ball Super is ongoing. You know, I'm, I'm going through and reading the manga for the first time myself. You know, I've gotten through Dragon Ball. I'm going through Dragon Ball Z right now. You know, so in terms of, like, current up-to-date where we are, things were broadcast, it's been a while. You know, and I got that itch. You know, I don't get me wrong. I like rewatching Dragon Ball Z. I like rewatching Super in the movies, but I I need that new stuff. So I was definitely excited for this, and I figured we wouldn't get much out of this because, let's face it, Akira Toriyama and the crew behind the Dragon Ball franchise are very notoriously tight-lipped about well everything, right? And understandably so. We did get a bit of a teaser trailer, although it's you know not much to go off of. It's just simply Goku running around, you know, in in like a newer look animation wise, uh, and then it features the title of the movie, which will be titled Dragon Ball Super 
superhero uh, and it is slated to premiere sometime in 2022 so definitely excited for that uh, and excited for more information you know like i cannot wait yeah dragon ball is definitely still big and popular oh my god yeah like i think anybody that thought it just quietly went away doesn't really understand it it definitely has a fan base that's rabid for new content. Oh, yeah. And the fact that we're going to be kind of dabbling around with that. I mean, you're the biggest DBZ guy I know. Oh, uh, yeah. No, it, it's been an integral part of my life simply from when it started showing on television. I, you know, I don't remember what channel. I know it eventually ended up on Cartoon Network and was shown on Toonami uh, weekday afternoons. So that was like the staple when I got home from school was Turn on the TV. Dragon Ball Z is coming on because that's all anyone's going to be. All my friends are going to be talking about the next day at school. But I remember seeing the first couple episodes on like one of the weird, odd, low number channels at like six in the morning before I was getting ready for school. Mm-hmm. That like I, you know, my dad would get me up. I'd go downstairs and I get grab my breakfast, flip on the TV, and there's this show on that I'm like, oh, this looks kind of interesting. You know, nothing else was on at that point. You know, and this was before you know uh, seeing like channel guides and being able to just look at a whim we still had to deal with the rolling ticker mm. that took nine years you know so I, I came across it way back in the in the very mid to late 90s and got hooked from there ever since and it, it's just been such a part of my life that i love it yeah so you definitely that was exciting yeah for me the big winners of san diego comic-con this year was the walking dead universe surprisingly yeah which obviously going into their next seasons and i say seasons plural because they do still have three shows on amc yep we really were thinking, okay, maybe the franchise is running out of low gas. We weren't going to see a lot coming from the flagship show. Sure. Obviously, Worlds Beyond is what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, you it know, exists. It exists. I mean, I'll just kind of leave it at that. But And you know the franchise, in my eyes, is Fear the Walking Dead. So when they had everything lined up, I was like, okay, how are we going to go about this? What's really going to translate? What's really going to stand out? I honestly thought all three did a good job. Okay. I, I honestly did. I Like I said, I love Affair for Worlds Beyond. Goes without saying, but I thought for what they brought to the table, it was at least entertaining. Okay. So they're going to be kicking off their season October 3rd. We did see a little kind of teaser footage of what to expect. It looks interesting. Okay. Is it enough to bring me back into the show? Well, yes and no. I mean, it's a swan song. You know you're going to watch. Well, I'm probably going to check it out because, obviously, Scott M. Gimple, who's the executive producer, uh, is really saying that it's going to have some. It's going to tie into a lot of things. Sure. So it's going to be one of those shows. Like I feel I have to watch. Sure. But I'm not like yeah. Like you think about your major crossovers and comics and how they yeah. always have the spinoffs. Yeah. And if you read the spinoffs, you're going to get a bigger payoff to the story. Kind of the same vibe I sure. am feeling with this. Sure. So we do know that that is going to be coming October 3rd on AMC. For me though, I got super geeked up about Fear the Walking Dead Season 7. Got a release date of October 17th. They're coming back to AMC. Did get some teaser footage, obviously, of last year's nuclear fallout from the crazy serial killer and Pat's favorite guy from Smallville, John Glover. Yeah. Uh, Teddy got his uh, almost perfect dream happening before he was killed off, and now we are living in a nuclear wasteland with our survivors. And everybody's a little displaced. We only got to see the one and only Morgan, played by Lenny James, who is definitely getting used to the world that is around him with Karen David, who plays Grace on the show. And they have Rachel's daughter mm-hmm. with them. So they didn't really give a lot of footage away. Like It wasn't like the New York Comic Con panel where they gave you the first 10 minutes and it was like, okay, I'm in, Like let's go. It was just basically them waking up in the submarine that's above ground and the baby is hungry 
They go out to check for food, and you kind of see what the fallout is. Okay. It's very straightforward. It's not, like I said, a sizzle reel. It didn't make me go like, oh, man, like, whoa, what's going on here? But since I saw last season, I definitely am like, I'm more intrigued to see how this is going to go. Because in the Walking Dead universe, we really haven't seen the environment become an antagonist okay. to this level. I know that we deal with sometimes in the comics, they dealt with the different seasons and such, and I get that. But when have we ever seen something like a nuclear fallout affect not only the survivors, but the zombies? Uh, I, You know what? Admittedly, I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah, so this is a very cool twist that they're doing. I'm curious how this is going to play out. And obviously, if you've been listening to the show for a long time, you do know that I thought the absolute world of season six of right. the show. So I am super excited to see where we're going to be in season seven. And obviously, that is going to be kicking off October 17th on AMC. Okay. Then we get to the flagship show, which is always an interesting time because the cast has known each other for so long. I mean, obviously, being on the air for 11 years, yeah. you have that camaraderie. And they definitely seem to still have the same energy about oh, the yeah. show, which which is great. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not going to be complaining about that. And then we did get the trailer for season 11. Mm-hmm. So that is going to be kicking off August 22nd on AMC. Yep. And it's going to be 24 episodes. But what we found out is they're going to be splitting them up into yeah. eight, eight episode half seasons or yeah, blocks. Yeah. So we did get to see a little teaser footage of what's going on there. We did see that Negan is basically figuring out what is going on with his role with the survivors. Yep. We do see some cameos from a new group that is going to be the antagonist of this season. Sure. We did see a little bit of Brave New World. If you read the comic story arc, you know who's involved with that. Yeah. We did see that somebody is going to be getting eaten. We don't know who, except I think they kind of tipped their hand, but I don't want to spoil that for anybody. And you did see some kind of jumping around, and it almost seemed like they were building up for the send-off for Carol and Daryl. Mm. There's a couple scenes in there that I either they're well-placed or they're kind of overshadowed about where those two are going to be going into their spin-off show, which we do know is happening. Right. But I thought it was a good trailer. I didn't get like a, wow, like, you know, take my money now. Yeah. I'm locked in. But I thought it was entertaining about it. Pat, I know you caught the trailer. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm definitely excited for it, and I'm definitely going to watch it. You know, I know it's not as good as it used to be, but I'm not so soured on it that I'm like, you know, F this. I'm just going to catch it when it hits Netflix. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm still going to watch it. It's been still, you know, it's it's in the same vein of like, it's Smallville for me. Yeah. Where Smallville was a part of my life for 10 years, you know, from the time I was in middle school up through high school, and even into college. You know, it, it's been such a part of my life that, like, I, I started, I heard about the, I remember hearing about the show way back when G4 was still on TV mm-hmm. and Attack of the Show was on. And they were talking about, you know, the show filming and needing extras down in Atlanta, Georgia. And it was about zombies. And I was like, yeah, I'm not really into that, you know, whatever. So, but then the, the buzz started building and all everybody was talking about it. So, like, I borrowed, I was in college, I borrowed a friend's Netflix password, watched the, binged the entire, uh, first season that was on Netflix in a night because it was only six episodes. Mm-hmm. And on a like Friday night, Saturday night, binged the entire first uh, season and then through, well, uh, other means, uh, watched the first half of season two because at that point they were on their mid-season break for season two. Mm-hmm. So that w- it was probably the fastest I've ever gone through a show because once I got through that first episode, I was like, yo, I'm hooked. Yeah. You know, so I know it's not as good as it used to be, but I'm still going to watch. I'm still excited. 
Yeah, I mean, I've kind of shifted gears a little bit to fear because the one thing that drives me absolutely nuts about the flagship show, they got away from taking risks. Yeah. And they really have made these characters safe. And I know that sounds really weird, but let's face it. Ever since Negan killed Glenn, which I'm sorry if you've read the comics and I keep screaming about this. It's verbatim. Read the comics. It's page by page. That's what happened. Everybody knew it was coming. So the only difference was Abraham wasn't there. Exactly. But they kind of reckon that because yeah. he died earlier. So yeah. it, it all makes sense at the end of the day. But ever since that moment and the public reaction to it when we're dealing with mainstream fans, they played it super safe. Yeah, and I, mean, I and I know you and I were having conversations about this years before it, oh, yeah. it, it aired because we were talking. I'm like, we were both saying, like, we don't know how they're going to do this because of just how violent and gruesome it is. Mm-hmm. And we were like, there's no way people are going to be able to sit through this afterwards. Yeah, it's going to be something that mainstream fandom and pop culture got a real, real cold awakening, so it's to speak. It's a real cold shower. Yeah, because we all knew this happens in the comics. Yeah. But ever since then, like I said, it just feels like they play it safe. And you could say, well, yeah. what about Carl? And what about moments like that? Sure. But I don't think that was really that was almost, that, that was a, that was almost a gotcha moment where it was like oh he got bit and remember it was in that one scene and I'm like okay you feel like you're reaching yeah it just didn't have that kind of same impact so it's interesting to see how it all plays out but to see that they got this far still yeah. I'm still amazed that it, it's going and good for them because yeah. like I said I don't like to see anybody out of work yeah but it's also at the same point has the story run its course obviously in the comics it ended abruptly yeah but it still ended yeah. So now we're going to deal with whatever the final episode is going to be for these characters. We do know that the Rick Grimes movie is coming. Allegedly. Allegedly. And allegedly Worlds Beyond is not connected to it, which I'm Believe still... Believe that when I see it. I'm still saying wait and see on that one. I just, I don't, I'm not buying that talk so just we, yet. We've, we've seen uh, TV producers and movie producers say, no, this absolutely isn't that thing that the entire internet thinks it is. Like the one that comes to mind is J.J. Abrams and Star Trek 2. Yeah. Like, oh... Uh, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's character isn't con. Promise, we're not doing that story again. Oh, hey, just kidding, we're doing that story again. Yeah, so I'm waiting to really see how this plays out. Like I said, if I need to force myself to watch Worlds Beyond, I'll do it just to see what the payout is going to be. And I'm still saying Rick Grimes is going to show up at yeah. the end. You're going to see Andrew Lincoln walking yeah. on there for whatever reason. Yeah. Either way, I thought the TWD universe one. That's good. Like I said, I gave him first prize at San Diego Comic-Con. I know that there was a big Star Wars panel that was lined yes, up for you. Yes, there was. Uh, I was super amped up for this. I even stopped playing uh, Mass Effect. I think I was playing Mass Effect 2 at the time. Oh, shoot. Like I Because I bought the Legendary Dish. I've been going through that. Um, but I stopped playing Mass Effect 2 uh, partially because I was doing laundry and partially because I knew this was coming on. But it was the Star Wars The High Republic uh, panel that was taking place. It was unveiling their next wave because uh, they're doing it in phases like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but then they're also releasing stuff in waves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they discussed that, and they had on the authors uh, Claudia Gray, Charles Soule, Justina Ireland, and Dan- Dan- Daniel Jose Older to kind of talk about what they've been doing and what they've been going on. Uh, just cut into the nitty-gritty, uh, what they got coming out that I am super excited for. So the whole, I guess, 
this wave you could say is titled the light of the Jedi goes dark. Ooh. Uh, so you've got Claudia Gray returning and I'm reading uh, courtesy of the article from Cinelinks.com. Uh, quote, Claudia Gray returns after taking a wave off with Delray's the fallen star. This waves uh, final adult title. The book picks up after the events of Kevin Scott's recently released the rising storm. And although Claudia didn't reveal any details, I'm sure I, c- I can speak for everyone. When I say we are very excited for this one, her first wave book into the darkness was a bestseller like the rest and introduced us to a bunch of really great characters. Most of who make appearances in the waves wave two series of books. So yeah, definitely excited for this. Claudia Gray writes some great stuff. And and if it's picking up right after Kevin Scott's book, which I'm in the process of going through and it is fantastic, super excited to see where they go for that. Uh, from the folks over at Disney slash Lucasfilm press, uh, they are, have two books coming out. One is Dan- Daniel Jose Older's uh, young adult book, midnight horizon. Uh, it's a book he described as quote, a chaotic mess. Uh, and then you've got Justina Ireland is, uh, going back to the middle grade with a seemingly equally dark mission to disaster. Uh, quote, she didn't reveal any details about the book, but, uh, she was asked about returning to, uh, the returning Jedi Venestra, Venestra Rowe, uh, for her wave two book out of the shadows uh the character she first introduced us us to in the book uh, a test of courage uh she said quote for me it's not a revisiting but i'm hoping that readers will enjoy seeing a little bit more uh, adult version uh of venestra in young adult we can deal with a little more heavier issues that we necessarily we necessarily can't with a middle grade or children's novel uh, they also discussed with Justina, and I didn't know this was coming. I'm kind of excited for this. Uh, Justina's serialized fiction offering, along with Kevin Scott, uh, to Star Wars Insider Magazine. Uh, and she's also working on a Star Wars manga release Ooh. titled Edge of Balance, uh, which is coming out in September. And I'm looking uh, at the uh, page for the listing on Viz Media. You can pre-order it now on Viz Media. Uh, and yeah, it's a, it's a Star Wars manga, which I know we were talking about, you know, couple weeks ago or whatever it was i don't see that too often so that's super exciting uh as for charles soul quote uh he gets to return home to marvel comics for a two issue limited series called the eye of the storm which goes into the backstory of the popular nihil leader uh, that's the antagonist group for this whole scenario martian Rowe. uh quote he's not the boss he's subservient to the tempest runners of the nihil uh, he, but over the course of the light of the Jedi, he shows that he's, uh, the one who's been in control all the time. He takes control of the Nihil and gives them this higher purpose. Close quote. And I believe if I remember right, that the, the comic that Charles soul is going to be doing, is going to be like 60 something pages. Holy smokes. So it's going to be nuts. And I cannot wait. Uh, all of this kicking off, uh, in 2022. Can't go wrong with that. Absolutely. Solid stuff. And it's always cool seeing Charles soul writing that. Yeah, it is. I'm definitely geeked up for that. Uh, speaking of some comics, because he did mention he's returning to Marvel, Marvel had one panel there that definitely caught my eye. Okay. It was their X-Men panel, oh, and yeah. definitely we're teasing a lot of what is going on of the trial of Magneto, which right. we do know is kicking off with the death of the Scarlet Witch. I don't really bum, think, bum, bum. I don't think it's a spoiler at this page because this It's been is, on the internet for like three weeks. It's gone all over the place. So to see how this is gonna fall out, and then Inferno, which is basically Mystique versus everybody. Because the coalition of Xavier, Magneto, and Apocalypse really have not come through on a bargain that they made with her. Uh-oh. Yeah, and that's not the person you want to tick off. No. Just putting that out there because when they have not brought back her dead lover, yeah. Destiny, 
and Mystique is now fed up and is going to take that whole. I feel like she's got to be careful. She's got to be careful though, just because with all of the mutants, you know, presumably working together and being all chummy with each other, mm-hmm. uh, you could theoretically put together a team that is like the Murderers Row. You know, to borrow the term from the you know the Yankees, the Murderers Row of uh, mutants. That yeah. like you could put together a list of like five or six of the most powerful omega level mutants and be like here try your luck good luck yeah it's going to be really interesting how this plays out because mystique has always been a character that you think oh, is just a shapeshifter yeah. and can't really hang on that omega level but she does oh yeah and, and well and you got to figure part of that's from the movies and the animated shows i'll give you that but when she's written well in the comics man she's a great character sure so I'm very intrigued about this because if they're going to copy the Inferno from the <laughs> previous run, oh. yeah, that was going to be skipping that at the shelves. But this one definitely has my intrigue. And the one big takeaway is they were kind of alluding to, to paraphrase, a lot of the questions we've had since Jonathan Hickman developed this new yeah. stat quo yeah. is going to get answered. So this could be the end of the run at Kuroka, I don't know if it's going to. I mean, this has definitely been something that... All good things must come to an end. ...has been a question mark. I agree with you because everything has just been too aligned up with the X-Men. And like I say, there's a lot of people that really love it. Yeah. A lot of people really hate it. Well, and that's the thing. is like I fell off of it just because of life and, and didn't get a chance. But, like, I still am aware of some of the stuff that's going on. It feels like they've been chummy for a little too long. That, like, I know they've had their issues and I know they're chummy and I know they're good together. But if I'm like... This honeymoon, so to speak, feels like it's going on a little too long. It definitely does. And it's going to break in the worst way possible. Because somebody has to break it. And I know that they've alluded to way in the past is going to be Mr. Sinister. But it seems like Mystique is going to be the match that lights the spark. Probably. And I'm, I'm here for it because this will bring up some real interesting stories, I feel. And that, when, like you said, when we're in well, she's not afraid to burn that you-know-what to the ground. Yeah, and obviously to ruin the utopia that has been built in this crazy idea from Hickman. And for me, I personally love the idea because sure. this has been such a fresh concept. Oh, and it's so different. Yeah, like I say, we haven't seen this before in the X-Men line. And if you grew up in the 90s era where there was 20 books of the X-Men a month, yeah, and a lot of them kind of were going through the motions, so sure. to speak, to see something fresh, I'm like, give it to me. Well, and, and to kind of cross over shows here, you know, Magneto versus uh, Xavier and all of their subsidiaries is kind of like Randy Orton versus Sheamus in the WWE. Mm-hmm. We've seen it so many goddamn times that it's kind of overdone. Yeah. And I know they play the front of me angle very well. Sure. But this is something that's going to be interesting to see how the trial of Magneto goes out mm-hmm. and what's the fallout from that is going to be. And then where Xavier is going to be at when all this is said and done, because like I say, this has been his dream. It's finally been realized and now is falling down around him. Great for the readers. Not good for him. No, but that's okay. But that was, I thought it was a really fun panel because obviously I've been reading the X-Men. Like I said, Marauders, I really loved. And X-Force is one of my favorite books. So a lot of stuff for me there. And then to flip it to DC because, like we said at the beginning of the show, both of them did not come with any movie projects. Not a lot of TV stuff. Right. But they did have the Batman Fear State panel. Okay. And it's interesting to see that Scarecrow is going to be the next big orchestrator sure. of chaos in Gotham. Sure. And almost doing a rebuilding through fear. Mm. So this is supposed to allegedly set up a new 
uh, fresh start moving forward for sure. the next year. Sure. The books that were connected was going to be Batman, Harley Quinn, Catwoman, yeah. Nightwing are all going to be involved. Sure. Sounds interesting. Not sure how this is going to play out, especially just coming off the heels of the Joker War. It just seems right. like it just seems too close. It's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting though, just because of what they've been doing in the comics lately, where Bruce Wayne ain't got no money. Yeah, he's living in an apartment in the middle of Gotham. He don't have the mansion. He don't have the Batcave. He has all the tech and the tools, but like he's got to fix them, them himself, and he can't just go. Oh, I'll just buy a new one. Like no, he's got to take care of it. It's been to see him now have to take on. Uh, Scarecrow is going to be very interesting. Yeah, I definitely think so. For what they've been doing, the Bat line has just been awesome. And yeah. and honestly, the best Bat book on the market right now, and this is tough to with all the competition, Nightwing by Tom Taylor. Yeah. Ridiculously good. I Highest possible recommendation. Just going to put that out there. Another panel that jumped out to me, and I know Pat is definitely a fan of too, is the Doctor Who. Oh, yeah. Panel. Yeah. So they had a little kind of Q&A with Jodie Whittaker and some of the other cast. And we did get a big casting announcement, I thought, anyway. We have somebody coming over from Game of Thrones, Jacob Anderson, who we know is Grey Worm. Yep. He is going to be joining the cast for Season 13. They did do a teaser trailer, so to speak. But honestly, there wasn't a lot behind it. No. It just kind of said the Doctor will be back this year. Yeah. Not really sure what to expect. Yeah. I don't mind Jodie Whittaker's run as the Doctor. Yeah. I thought she's done a great job with it. I know a lot of fans have not been liking the storyline that's been going on, but sure. I think it's been okay. Like, I, yeah. I have not had any issue with it. I think she's she's rocking it out of the park. So, very interested to see when she comes back. And to see how Jacob Anderson fits in the equation, we do know he's going to be playing a character known as Vinder. Okay. And we'll kind of see how this all plays out because with Doctor Who... You never know what you're going to expect. Well, if it's anything like the last time a Game of Thrones uh, alum was on Doctor Who in Maisie Williams, uh, it's going to be probably fucking crazy because yeah. that, well, Maisie Williams has been added to Doctor Who for the season. Oh, that'll be interesting. Oh, my God, this story's crazy. Yeah, so I can't wait to see what they have in store for season 13. That's going to be a lot of fun. And another show that jumped out to me was The Return of Dexter. Yeah. Now, Pat, I know you're not into Dexter. Nope, uh, and that's not for like any evil or malicious reasons. I simply didn't have Showtime when it was on. It's that simple. Yeah. Dexter, obviously America's uh, most well-known serial killer who kills serial killers. Yeah. Uh, definitely has carved his uh, own place in TV history. <laughs> for uh, good and bad reasons. Yeah, because when the show came out, originally it was fantastic. It's a, it's a really interesting concept, yeah. I'll say that. Yeah, Michael C. Hall plays Dexter. And just the concept of where he goes to handle his demons and dealing with him being a serial killer, it's very fascinating. When they got to season four against John Lithgow as the Trinity Killer, perfect season. Can't speak highly enough of it. The fact we went on eight more times after that, and it's very hit and miss, and especially the last season, in my opinion, is not good. You can at me at OD Parlay Hour all you want to try to defend it. You're not going to get anywhere. I respect your opinion, but please respect mine. Is It wasn't good. Then we finally have now come back since 2013 to where we are going to see Dexter resume what he does best, debuting November 7th okay. on Showtime. Okay. So this is going to be interesting to see how this all plays out because we do know that he is no longer – uh, the Dexter we once knew has a new identity. Sure. We do know that this is going to be absolutely crazy looking at the trailer. It does capture some of the awkwardness that Dexter brings because right. he is not, he's not exactly the uh, most 
normal person to be Yeah, well, with. what I, th- I thought I saw the, the quote from Michael C. Hall the, over the weekend that, like, given how the last season went, and it's specifically the last episode, and just how fans uh, took it, to put it mildly, uh, he said that they had to come back and do another season, and I'm like, yeah, you kind of have to. Well, you think about it like this, Pat. The show, at one point, was TV's best show on air. Right, and I remember, I forget the site, like, whether it's Metacritic or, like, some other site where it rates and, and like, aggregates um, scores and that type of stuff. And, like, it was super highly rated for a long time, and then it just kind of, like, down the tube. Well, it's almost to a point where you get to that one season of a show, and I think we all have that if it's a long-running show. They do a perfect season in the fans' eyes. Sure. After that, where do you go yeah. from here? Yeah. And that's the problem that Dexter had because season four, I will scream to the top of my lungs, John Lithgow, Trinity Killer. Yeah. Best season they've done. After that, you knew it was going to have a fall. Not like in pro wrestling, we have a sure. big main event pop and then sure. the crowd has to kind of rebuild itself. Same thing. And they just never got back on that same page. And that last season was just so all over the place, in my opinion, that even the ending was like, what the Well, it's, it's like in baseball, you know, you're trying to hit a home run or a grand slam, but all you're doing is striking out. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened here. But the new trailer came out. It looks fun. It looks interesting. It captured kind of like the early Dexter vibe to it. We did see that Clancy Brown is going to be involved in the show. Uh, rumored that he's going to be the uh, Dexter's main foe this season. All right. So we'll kind of have to wait to see how that plays out. Uh, I'm excited for it. I gotta say, Dexter for me, like it was one of the best shows I, I've watched. Sure. And then just getting through those last seasons was like pulling teeth. Not gonna lie about yeah. that. Few other shows that had trailers that definitely stood out to me. We did see the first trailer for Chucky debuting oh, yeah. on Sci-Fi in USA. Yeah. That's gonna be dropping in October. People are all sorts of excited for that. You know, if you're into the Child's Play sure. uh, movie franchise and Chucky and the horror genre, there's a lot to like about it. Well, when you think about it, how many horror shows outside of zombies uh, are there on television right now? Very little. Very few. Yeah. I mean, I know I know there's certain shows that, like, push the envelope a little bit, but, like, nothing that's immediately like, this is horror. Mm-hmm. I fully agree with you about this. And this show definitely captured that vibe. It had that 80s feel to it. Chucky was doing Chucky things, yeah. and it's all over the place. But if you're into that franchise, you're going to be happy with it. Like, I am not the biggest person about that. We'll say Lord knows there'll probably be Easter egg galore. Oh, yeah. But there was a lot of stuff that you could take away and be happy about that is slated to drop in October. Another show that's coming to sci-fi was Day of the Dead. Oh, yeah. And George Romero is like homage they're yeah. doing to uh, his zombie world. This one, I got to say, it kind of had the happy vibe to it sure. in the sense of there was a lot of over the top stuff going on. Well, they got to fill that void. Exactly. And I, I get it, but there was just a lot of over the top reactions about zombies and what they were doing. And like, I understand it's an homage to George Romero. I'm, yeah. I'm completely cool with that. Yeah. I'm just kind of curious to see the longevity of this show. Mm. And I'm not trying to pan it already. Cause I thought the trailer was entertaining for what it was. Right. But you feel like there's only so much they can get out of it. Yeah. And don't think I forgot sci-fi. Deadly class. I still not over that. Never have lost. But that show is going to be debuting too. And like I said, it looked very interesting for that franchise. Right. Especially for zombies, though. It's kind of like you got to do something new at the table for me. Yeah. 
So I'm like I said, I'm not ripping on it. I don't think it was a bad trailer. Yeah, there's just there's a lot of zombie shows out. It's a lot of zombie shows, and it's got to really do something to stand out. And for me, it it was very over the top. And like yeah. I said, some of the stuff felt like I was watching Happy. If, and, and and I'll be honest, it feels like we're reaching a point with zombie shows because we've got the three from The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got Z Nation, which ran for a while. But I'm not sure if it's still going. And then you've got uh, Black Summer on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And that's just the ones I know of. I'm sure there's probably more out there. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that they got to compete with. So we'll wait to see what happens. And sci-fi, you know, I'm waiting to see what happens with it. You know, if they really get behind it and really run with it. I think they should. Uh, based off the trailer, like, I think it definitely deserves a full season run. And then mm-hmm. we'll kind of see where it goes from there. And while you're at it, bring back Deadly Class. Just saying. But talking about some other network shows, I guess I should say streaming, that is. Uh-huh. Netflix had some trailers going out, too, as well. They debuted the final season trailer for Lucifer, which is coming back oh, in September. Yeah. That's got a big cult following. Uh, it looked okay for what it was. Yeah. I'm not the biggest fan of the show, but it definitely will ent- get the fan base going. Sure. Will, you know, sure. definitely give them something worth watching. And also they had a trailer for the army of thieves, which oh, is yeah. a, the prequel for the army of the dead, uh, produced by Zack Snyder. I, I have, and I saw a quote from him that like he and Netflix didn't realize how big army of the dead would be on, on that streaming platform. Dude's being humble. Like, do you not realize how rabid your fan base is? Like I, as soon as they announced, I think I'm like, well, that's going to be a huge hit for them. Well, you would think so. And I, I, I understand what you're saying because when we think Zack Snyder, we associate Snyderverse. I get you on that. This one, though, I honestly wasn't sure, but it definitely took off. Well, and I'm not just even referring to the Snyder cut or, or you know, the Snyderverse. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm just specifically referring to his fans that will get a hashtag trending on Twitter worldwide for multiple days. Will purchase to fly a banner over an award show. Will purchase, you know, those advertisements you see in like the waiting things for for buses uh, buses on the street. That like that's how dedicated they are to him and his craft. I was not surprised at all when it was such a huge hit for them. Yeah, I could definitely see that point too. I mean, he does have a very passionate fan base. Yeah. So to see how this one plays out, like I th- I thought it looked entertaining. I definitely am going to give this one. Uh, I still got to watch the first one. It's in, it's deep in my queue, and I keep forgetting about it. Yeah, same here. Like, it's just getting lost and stuff. Like, I started, and then I get called away for something. But this one I definitely want to check out. Like I said, thought it looked good for what I saw. And then we did get a little noise from uh, Mr. One Oscar Isaac, oh. who chimed in for another panel, but definitely was on the Moon Knight set. Okay. And the only thing you could really take away is he said it's going to be a wild, wild show. Oh, he I'm was, sure. He was like, Moon Knight. I've seen the training videos. It's It's nuts. It's nuts, and if you're not familiar with that character, Marvel fans, get familiar ASAP, because this show should be going in a lot of crazy directions. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to see the first trailer for it, and obviously we are just light years away from that. The only thing we had new get dropped was the Shang-Chi, or Shang-Chi, rather, yep. uh, final trailers, because yep. the movie's coming out within a month. But for Marvel-wise, it was kind of interesting to see that he was chiming in and hyping that movie up, which is cool to see. And then the only other one that really stuck out to me, and I'm kind of very polarized by this, but I know, Pad, you definitely are a a fan of this show. Okay. Legends of Tomorrow. Okay. Now, they did have a panel there at Con, and we did hear some announcements. Okay. One was Matt Ryan is retiring playing John Constantine. Okay. He is going to still be on the show, though. Sure. Playing a new character known as Dr. Gwen Davies, hmm. who is uh, a scientist, I believe, okay, and is going to tie into uh, wherever the direction is going to go for the next season. All right. 
Thoughts on him retiring John Constantine? I mean, it may. I mean, I, it makes sense. You know, I think originally when the character when he played the character on the fucking god awful, like I dare you to try and get through that show. I got through maybe an episode and a half, episode and a half, and I quit. It was just bad because the first episode, a lot of promise. Second episode, off a cliff. Mm. Um, but I I loved his portrayal. Like it was one of those instances. Like he's doing great work with what he has, but the work he's being given is cow shit you know so but i loved him and so when they announced he was coming on legend of tomorrow i'm like awesome i'm all for seeing more of him as the role i got no issues with him as the role it's just what he was given for the show was terrible and i think originally it was supposed to be just a short run half season maybe a full season you know for the purposes of the story but the fans dug it so much that all right let's keep you around so for him leaving not entirely surprising i'm sure you know it's very you know uh, time-consuming filming the show, given all the work that gets put in with the costumes and the you know the acting and having to go to up to Vancouver to film, which is special, which normally isn't that big of an issue, but you know the last year and a half has been a little bit of an issue. Mm. You know, so I'm sure he's got other projects that you know he's really wanted to jump in on. You know, just from you know a, a, a personal perspective of like, oh, I think I could really do a lot of great work with that role, but shit, it's conflicting with me filming this TV show. So it makes sense, and I'm I'm all right with it. Yeah, well, he'll like I said, he'll be around for season seven. So I'm not sure the duration of it. And I actually called up uh, from comicbook.com. Davies is described as an eccentric scientist from the early 20th century who might be the team's only hope next season. Huh? As though this time is not clear what the team will be facing in season seven. So he's promoting shake weights. Got it. Yeah. So this could go a lot of different ways. Uh, I know they gave the trailer out for the next episode, which I believe is dropping August 8th. And it's more wacky hijinks that yeah. only the legends are doing right now. Like yeah. I say, we, we've kind of gone away from the Doctor Who vibe to we're making this into a very yeah. much comedy. Yeah, and, and I and I don't mind, like I said, I don't mind comedic aspects in the show. It can't be serious drama like Law & Order type stuff for like the entire hour because then it just gets overdone. But when you take the show and kind of make it all comedy with a little bit of seriousness, I don't really enjoy that yeah this is kind of just really gone off from where they used to be about this and i i gotta admit i've kind of tuned out a lot lately on even watching the trailer now because we're finally having the marriage between sarah lance and ava oh, so the wedding is happening. done that a couple seasons ago yeah but somebody ruins it oh, a new that, character that figures uh and then they're going bowling because why not reasons it kind of looks like it's all over the place a little bit, and we do see how I guess they're setting up for John Constantine dealing with dark magic that's going to kill him. Sure. So I think that this is how they're writing off the character of John yeah, Constantine. They missed out on a golden opportunity to write him out of the show last season. Yeah, I agree. That, that, was, that was your perfect opportunity, given everything he went through, and then to come out of it on the other side. Could have been like, you know what? I've been through some, some stuff. Uh, I'm going to hit the beach. I'll see you later. It would have been interesting to go that way. I think that would have been a stronger one to do. But, you know, I, like I say, they want to do it how they're going to do it. I can't be mad about that. It's just how Legends has really transcended over the years. Yeah. Into where we are now. And it's kind of – I miss the old vibe to it. Yeah. And plus, I, one thing that I've always said with the show is I think you need to rehash your lineups. Each yeah. Year. And I and I know this one, yeah. there's not that big, like, overpowering threat going on. No. You know, that we had, like, Firestorm the one season. We had yeah. Kid, Kid Flash make a run, which I thought they should yeah. have had him on there. Yeah. Keep Wally West on that team. So, to see kind of how we're 
changing up the stat quo now and it's just getting more funny than right than drama it's right just, and i mean like you said it, you need to have that overbearing force to kind of like keep viewers in and like you and myself especially and i know the last season i watched where it was the one where they were jumping through time and it was with marie antoinette and and uh, Rasputin and all the other characters that like it was hard to track at times. So like, who is the big bad? What is going on? You know, it's not like Damien Dark's rolling through or anything like that. But it was still like, oh, where are we going to show up this week? What famous moment uh, moment in history are we going to jump in on that really kept me involved with that? And they really gone away from that. Yeah, it's just kind of really gone off the where the trajectory they were at originally. Yeah. But we do know this episode that they gave the trailer for, I believe, is debuting on August 8th. And then they come back for season seven on October 13th. Wow. So a lot of time in between. I know the yeah. CW schedule is all over the place because they but, do yeah. They do have certain shows coming back. Certain shows are... Superman and Lois on for two weeks. Off for two weeks. Back again. Yeah. And then we have Supergirl waiting in the wings. And then Stargirl is coming back too as well. So a lot of stuff to take away from San Diego Comic-Con. I know there's a lot more panels we could really even deep dive in more to. And overall, Pat, what was the vibe that you had for the show here? Uh, it was all right. It was was better than last year, but I think that's because they, they took the time, they looked at the criticisms people took, and I think they also took a look at what some of the other folks, you know, around the world did, especially with, uh, what was it, WB, you know. Uh, war, uh, fandom. Fandom, you know. They looked at the other stuff, and then they, they took some notes, and they took some ideas, and, and they definitely made it better. Um, I thought it was all right. Yeah, I do. I agree with you, too. I, I don't want to give it a letter grade, but I definitely want to say it was better than last year. Yeah. Uh, there At times, though, it was a little hard for me to navigate to find the panels I wanted to go to. Yeah. That's my only – but maybe that was on me. But I'm just saying, from like, in comparison to New York Comic Con, where everything loaded up right after. Yeah. Well, and that, and that was a tough thing for me. It was, like, a couple of panels I was getting ready to watch. I knew when the times were dropping. And I'd go to their YouTube page, and I'd sit there with, like, you know, it's supposed to be on a – one you know, top of the hour, you know, halfway through the hour, I'm sitting there refreshing, 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 and it's not there. And it's like five, ten minutes after it's supposed to have been there. I'm like, where the hell is it? Oh, wait, there it is amidst the eight videos that just went live. Yeah, so it was a little tough to navigate. So, okay, so it wasn't just me then. That's my only real takeaway of a negative because we still got content. And that's the one thing that we as fans still need to appreciate. We get something. Was it all rehashed? Not necessarily. But we did get a lot of stuff to kick off with. And for a fan base that definitely absorbs content like nobody else, mm-hmm. we have to be happy with what we got. Yes. And like I said, Walking Dead Universe, I thought, was the first place gold medalist winners, so to say, with the Olympics going on. I thought Netflix came in second. I'll say that because they had a lot of stuff going on, too. And then it's kind of divided up of, well, everybody else. I mean, I guess we can give the bronze to Sci-Fi USA. Sure. They go give a grading system for that. But well, we gave you our picks about that. More information at Comic-Con or comic-con.org. But like I said, we gave you our picks. But let us know what you thought of San Diego Comic-Con 21 Comic-Con at home. Hit us up on those social media accounts. You can find all of that and so much more at odphpodcast.com. And let us know what you thought about the con. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey there. I'm Chris from the Geek P Podcast here with my two co-hosts, Trent. What up? And Brandon. Yo, yo. Here at the Geek Peak, we strive to provide you the best content from all across the pop culture multiverse. Think of us as your content concierge, seeking out all the best movies, TV, games, and music to save your valuable time. We have a different adult beverage every week, and we like to keep things light and fresh, so coming out with us. So check us out on all your favorite podcasting platforms. That's Geek Peak. Like a mountain! And check out our site at geekpeakpod.com. 
Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we have to talk the Flash season finale. Yes. We didn't get a chance to talk about it last week, but I definitely want to make time for it this week because there has been a lot of feedback about this episode. Eh, one or two things. Good or bad, everybody's got a reaction to this episode. There's like one or two tweets. Oh, quite, quite a few. And we here at the ODPH want to kind of deep dive into it. So we are going to be talking spoilers about the season finale, episode 18, entitled Heart of the Matter Part 2. So you know the deal. Once we give you that spoiler warning, you have been fair warned. We are going to deep dive into the episode. So if you haven't seen it yet and you're planning on watching it, pause the podcast right now, watch it, and jump back in. Because once we go three, two, one, you know we're going to start diving into it. So that being said, three, two, one, pad. What did you think? Thought it was okay. Uh, you know, not, not a smash hit home run out of the park, but it was still enjoyable, and I'm uh, semi excited to see where they go from here. It was okay. It was a better episode of The Flash than I've seen in recent years, but it was okay. I don't think the animosity for the one scene yeah. is really warranted to the level it's at. Yeah, but I thought it was okay. Okay, because where we are now. The past few episodes, we've had the character Godspeed reappear and is on a secret mission that is now turned into the Godspeed War. Okay. So this has kind of been an interesting story that they've been wanting to build. I'm not bad about it because out of the most recent villains they've used on the show, I do like Godspeed. Sure. He's had a good run in the comics, no pun intended. I'm okay with this. But we do see some debuts and some returning characters come in for this episode. Mm -hmm. The man, the myth, the legend, John Wesley Ship returns as Jay Garrick. Yep. We do see the debut of Bart Allen, a.k.a. Impulse, played by Jordan Fisher. We do see the return of Nora West Allen, a.k.a. Excess, played by Jessica Parker Kennedy. And we are seeing that Barry is getting the help of all he can get to deal with the threat of Godspeed, who is now just running all over the city with clones. It gets weird. It gets all over the place. They find the original Godspeed, who has lost his memory. Yep. Karen Oberai mm-hmm. uh, has been playing him very well and trying to deal the ramifications of not knowing who he is. And it's kind of like in that sense of Civil War II where, you remember, the Marvel heroes were taking out uh, threats before they were threats. Oh, yeah. That kind of vibe. It's the same element here with DC and this story. Yep. But it, it's not really kind of clicking that way because we do know that there are some people trying to take out Godspeed. We do know that Barry is trying to keep him alive. Yeah. And it's just kind of really weird how they're playing this out. But where we leave and or where we kick off this episode, because where we left off at the last episode, is Barry has entered Godspeed's mind. Because that's a safe thing to do. Yeah. Like, we get really weird here. And he winds up having a talk with him, and Godspeed has basically been like, I've lured you here because I'm giving you a proposal. I want organic speed force. I don't want artificial. Because if I have that, I can I can rule the world. I'll keep everybody safe. And like he has his deluded version. Trust me, I won't do anything bad yeah, with it. Exactly. And Barry is going, no. Ba 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 bullshit. Yeah, this is not happening because in the previous episode he nearly kills Bart and he's taken out other people too. Yeah. This has not exactly been an easy walk in the park. And Barry is forcibly removed from the mind after they kind of have a little skirmish. And he realizes, okay, this is what happens with what's going on with Godspeed, that this has been the plan overall because he wants all the speed force. 
Well, he winds up tapping into the actual entity of the Speed Force, who brings back Bart, and decides to give Iris super speed. Mm-hmm. So now we have, if I'm doing my math right, Pad, please correct me if I am wrong. Yep. Barry. Yep. Iris. Yep. Bart. Yes. Nora. Yes. Jay Garrick. Yes. Five speedsters at present time uh-huh. trying to take out Godspeed. Yep. Let that sink in for a second. The Flash family. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Like, I thought it was cool. I, you know, it, it was a cool it, shot. It's a cool shot for the moment it was in. But yet again, we have those five plus Cisco, plus Killer Frost, plus uh, Esperanza. Yeah. Or Allegra, I'm sorry. Esperanza was killed. So we have eight heroes trying to take down one villain. To be oh. fair, one villain, but there was like nine or ten different copies of him. I'll give you that. And they were fast as fuck. I'll give you that. But still, that was a little overkill in my opinion. Yeah, I was all right with it. Yeah, I mean. You need, you need, those season finales are meant for those, holy shit, I can't believe I'm seeing this moment. Like, you know, you. so I was okay with it. I mean, it, it was all right, but it's still in my, in the back of my head, I'm going like, this is too much. This is way too much. I knew, it, I know it's not going to last. It didn't, I can see that. It really didn't hang me up, though, because I'm like, this ain't going to last. Like, Iris is going to lose her powers next season. Uh, you know, the kids are going to go back to the future. No pun intended. Mm. You know, Jay's going to go back to his time, you know, his time with his wife. You know, and then Speed Force mom is going to go back off and do her thing. So it's going to be back to just Barry being Barry. Yeah, I understand that. But I think for this episode, I think kind of took away a little bit. Like, I understand the moment of nostalgia. I get that. And, you know, it's cool seeing all the heroes get together. Yeah. But it's like. One well, this, thing- is, this is what you've been building up to the whole season. Like, you don't build up and then just go, all right, and it's over. No, I, I will grant you that. But it's like the one argument everybody's had about the Flash, and I, and I agree with this point, is like we have too many speedsters on during the time. Because we have five speedsters fighting one speedster. And then we also have another one coming a little later in the show. I digress. But once they get rid of the clones, because everybody winds up doing this because Allegra has a device made by Chester that absorbs the Godspeed powers out of the clones. Folks, it is comics. Just roll with it. We do get down to where Barry has to make the ultimate decision and decides to give Godspeed the Speed Force. Yep. Or at least a portion of it. So a little, he, little taste. He gives him something which does clear up his memory amnesia. Because we did find out in the dreamscape that due to all the time travel, he has memory loss. Yeah. Which I did think was a cool twist. Yeah. I did think that it was cool because, hey, I mean, you're tampering with all the timelines. Something's got to give. Very interesting idea. But once they wind up restoring who he is, he does escape... And he does get his clones reabsorbed into him. Yep. So it's kind of like a weird Madrox moment where everybody comes back into him. Yeah. But he winds up doing this. And then we get a return from another character that somebody made a deal somewhere. And Pad, who decides to return but one Ebort Thon? Oh, yeah. I almost forgot about that. This was all types of crazy because we knew Tom Cavanaugh had left the show. Yep. So... I was not expecting to see him come back. I mean, to be fair, they said the same thing about uh, Carlos Valdez with Cisco. Yeah. That, like, he even did interviews the day or the week his episode aired where it was supposedly his last show. He's like, oh, you know what? I'm really okay with the way my my character left the show. 
and here he showed up for the last two episodes. Yeah, it's, it's just really puzzling when they put out those statements and everybody comes back. Like, I'm not mad to see I, them I come back. I think it's learning, them learning from history. Yeah, I mean, they, it's smart to do, to bring him back, because it definitely threw a curveball to fans. But like I said, once again, you have so many people on that Team Flash side of things, it makes it a little crazy. Because, like we said, once we had the big battle with the Flash family versus the clones. Yeah. It's kind of like, all right, where do we go from here? And especially during that point, too, everybody had like their superhero moment where they're throwing uh, lightning stars. Yeah. Uh, I know Jay Garrick threw his helmet that was lightning to it. Kind of just really all over the place. But, and especially, I think at one point, Iris, did did she or did she not say, we're the Flash, not you, Barry? Something like that, She yeah. said some kind of wild statement for that. So to see like that now everybody's thinking they're part of the Flash and then see Ebor come back, it was just a lot of speedster overkill for me. However, though... We do get to the final showdown because when Ebart does come back and for wherever he escapes from, Barry winds up cutting a deal with him mm-hmm. that if you help me, I will let you live or, or something in that variation. Yeah, he, he makes a deal with him. He makes a deal, and it's kind of a little like confusing what happens here. And this is where they have the Phantom Menace moment. Mm-hmm. And this is the moment that's driving everybody crazy. Because mm-hmm. all of a sudden... Godspeed whips out a light sword, which does look a little bit like a light saber. Mm-hmm. Now, Pad, you're the Star Wars aficionado. Did, was that a lightsaber? It looked like one, yeah. I mean, didn't have the the sound, which I'm sure probably copyright reasons, but it looked like one. It, it operated like one. I, As a Star Wars fan, I marked out. I thought it was cool. Yeah. And then Barry whips out a sword, too, and so does Thawne. Yeah. And we do have a Phantom Moments re- reenactment. That did happen. Yeah. Well, like I said, it was cool. Yeah. I I did not have such an issue with it because, like I said, previously in this episode, we had the Flash family versus everybody, and everybody had a special weapon. It looked like a video game scene. Yeah. So I was not like, oh, my God, what is this? But I was like, okay, well, we're already at this stage. Might as well go with it. They wind up having the battle, and while Barry has... Godspeed distracted, Thawne impales him. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not a fatal blow, which I thought it was for how they hit it, but I digress. It's not. And then once Thawne has taken care of Godspeed, he now turns his attention to Barry. Because Barry trusts him. Yeah, but Barry trusts Idiot. him enough. Yeah, because Barry trusts him enough that he winds up having a backup plan to absorb the speed force out of him. Yeah, I thought he, I thought he took his speed force away at, at first. Yeah. Because he, because uh, was it? Thawn runs at him. Barry, you know, much like a Bruce Lee movie, steps out of the way and you know, ha ha ha, you know, lets him fall to the ground. And he goes, "What did you do?" And I'm like, "Oh shit! Did he take away his speed force? Like, are we going there?" But no. Yeah, it was kind of like a wild scenario that he basically allows Thawne to come back, subdues him, and then Thawne escapes. Yep. Or Barry lets him go, which I mean, still is kind of a little crazy in its own right. That's worked out before for heroes. Like I said, there's a lot of reasons moments in this, and it's kind of just goes back to how the Flash has kind of let some things slip, in my opinion. And where we end with this is Godspeed is now put in Iron Heights. His memory was tampered with by the mm-hmm. Speed Force entity. Yep. Because Barry's identity was compromised. Now it's completely wiped away. What else could that happen? I don't know. We'll see. Nothing at all. And then it ends with Barry and Iris renewing their vows at the house. Oh, shucks. So this episode, like I said, a little all over the place. Yeah, a little bit. 
I mean, it wasn't the worst episode we've seen of The Flash. I will say that. I thought Grant Gustin and Candace Patton did a great job doing the married couple vibe to this, especially yeah. with the wedding. I mean, that's one thing they've been trying to tie into that at the end of the day, it still comes back to Barry and Iris, which I get, and I respect for that. And then the other cast definitely helped out, contributed. It just seemed like there was a lot of moving parts, though. That's the only thing I didn't like, per se. So the only thing I didn't like was uh, the Bart singing. Like in the middle, in the middle of the wedding vows, I was like, "Why are we doing this?" Like, they—it's it, touching enough as is. They've had this weird thing with music all season. That there's a musical number at the end, almost at each episode. Yeah, it's weird. Like, and, I, and, and it's more than just like the t- stereotypical like put a song at the end of end of the episode for like the, just that background song. Yeah, like it's weird. I like, mean, like I it, it, like I said. It was weird and felt out of place for me because I'm like, all right, this is already touching enough. Everything they've gone through, they still have, you know, being separated for so long and then the mirror dimension, you know, and now they're back together and all everything's all well and dandy. You know, it was already touching enough. Like, you didn't have to make it corny. It just seemed over the top. And that's one thing that I think they really described this episode. It was over the top. I understand it's a season finale and they want to go big and I get that and I respect that. But I thought there was just too much going on. At the crucial moments, like I said, when the Flash family came out there and Iris said whatever she said, I was like, "Oh, all right, this no, just too much." And especially with the video game moments that happened in that battle, because like I said, I don't want to really kind of touch upon them because it was like I thought it took away a little bit because the clones that were running crazy for the past three episodes now are taken out so easily. Yeah, it was really kind of why were they even here? I mean, it just didn't really make a lot of sense. And then to the final battle, which, like I said, everybody lost their mind to on the net. And they're still memeing to this day. I mean, that don't take much for the internet. Oh, I understand that. But it's like, it's not the end-all, be-all scene ever. Like, no. It's, it's not like they... It's not the final scene of the, of, the, of the series. Like, it's just another scene. And especially, it's not like they completely reenacted the Phantom Menace. Like, when yeah. I saw the swords come out, I was like, okay. We're they could have. Oh, they could have. They could have. The minute Godspeed had a second sword out, I thought you should just put it together, go Darth Maul, and be done. Yeah. Would have been okay. Would have been like, all right, fine. We're copying him. Sure. Cool. I prefer the dual wield method, though, so that's just me. Yeah, but it, like I said, it wasn't as bad as everybody thought. No, it was okay. But I think we're where the show used to be to where it is now. Yeah. Then I think that that's where the major disconnect is because The Flash used to be the strongest show, in my opinion, on the on the DC side of things on the CW. It's been very much surpassed now by Superman and Lois. Well, yeah. Stargirl is great. And Batwoman is not bad either. Like, I'm starting to catch up more on that. I went back in after the season finale and started dipping in a little bit. So there's a lot of competition for The Flash. And especially being now it's going on season eight. I mean, it's really going to be a test to see where they finish out things. So with that all being said, Pat, I mean, final thoughts on this season and episode. Uh, I thought the episode was okay. You know, was what it was. You know, not one I'll go rewatch immediately, but I enjoyed it for what it was. Uh, and the season was okay. A lot of ups and downs, but I I don't ultimately regret watching the season. And I'm not sitting there going, boy, that's a lot of hours I wish I had back. So ultimately for me, it was okay. I'm with you. It was okay. I mean, from the episodes I've caught, and like I said, I got more into it when Godspeed came back. I the whole return of the black hole organization just really turned yeah. me off because I care less about that one. But for where they finished, I thought it finished okay. Does it leave me with a lot of hope for next season? Yes and no. I think they could just tighten up a few things. If they are going to be really focusing on making the team smaller, I think that could help. Yeah. But 
it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to wind up being. But now the question is, are Barton Nora going to stay? Do they go back to the future? Is this a one and done? And then who's going to be the next antagonist? Is it going to be another season of Thawne? If it's another season of Thawne, I'm okay with. Because that's a classic Flash villain. There's a lot of ways you can go with it. Tom Cavanaugh, if you give him material, he will make the magic happen. No question of that. But it's just how many stories you're going to wind up doing, and unless this is the final season. If this is the final season, that's a different story. So to which they have not said so far that it is. Correct. Because if they do, I think they should write it like how they wrote Arrow's final season. Leave it on the table. Don't leave anything to chance and take chances. Do some crazy stuff. Let's have some excitement with this. Before we finished, I thought the Flash finished okay. Yeah. And we'll kind of have to wait and see when it returns later about the direction Grant Gustin, Grant Gustin and company are going to go in. Mm-hmm. We give you our picks about that. So why don't you hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod, and let us know what you thought of the Flash season finale. You're still watching the Flash or you're not, and why? And especially if you caught Heart of the Matter Part 2. What is your takeaway from that episode? The fight scenes, were they too corny or were they cool? What is the vibe? I want to get that from the ODPH Society. So hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. In the not-too-distant future, following the rapid succession of World Wars 3 and 4, plus the hidden horrors of secret World War 2, there's not much left. All that remains is a place where folks get together to read and discuss comic books. Sometimes they laugh. Sometimes they argue, but they always record and upload their transmissions. You've found one of those transmissions today. Welcome to The Last Comic Shop. Rate, review and subscribe to our weekly comic book reviews on all the major podcasting platforms at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pat, what you got for those one-shots? Got a couple things to talk about, the first of which I admit probably should have seen coming, seeing as it's the 20th anniversary this year. Mm. Uh, But it didn't cross my mind until I saw it announced last night. And if you heard in the Northeast or on the East Coast a supersonic yelling of excitement, that was probably me. uh, Because it was announced that Smallville, which turns 20, like I mentioned, uh, this year, is getting a Blu-ray box set plus a digital code of the complete series. Uh, Reading uh, on the uh, website Cinelinks.com, they quote the press release, quote, It's been 20 years since Clark Kent first arrived in Kansas, and in honor of the uh, 20th anniversary of the remarkable series Smallville, the complete series 20th anniversary edition will soar onto Blu-ray for the first time ever from Warner Brothers Home Entertainment on October 19th, 2021. This set Uh, for the ultimate fan features all 218 episodes along with over 28 hours of bonus features from all 10 incredible seasons plus digital copy us only smallville the complete series 20th anniversary edition blu-ray is priced to own at 179 dollars and 99 cents srp or 209 dollars and 99 cents in canada and will also be available on dvd for 154 dollars and 99 cents srp or 184 dollars and 99 in canada 
Uh, the groundbreaking Emmy-winning 10-season hit that redefined the origins of the world's greatest superhero is all here. From Krypton refugee Kal-El's arrival on Earth through his tumultuous teen years uh, to Clark's Kent's final steps towards embracing his destiny as the Man of Steel. Relive a decade's worth of thrills in fantastic adventures full of action, heart, and humor in abundance, all anchored by the marvelous performance of Tom Welling at its center. Savor again in the series' thoughtful and imaginative integration and reinvention of the iconic characters of DC lore, and let your spirits be lifted up, up, and away. Smallville, the complete series, 20th Anniversary Edition, includes two DVD discs with over 28 hours of bonus features originally released on the Smallville Season 1 through 10 DVD sets. Uh, so some of the features uh, are The Adventures of Superboy, the original 1961 pilot starring oh, John God. Rockwell. A retrospective look at the series' 10-year journey, an in-depth season-by-season look at the creation of this landmark television series. Highlights include interviews with Tom Welling, Erica Durance, uh, Michael Rosenbaum, Phil Morris, John Schneider, and many more, as well as rare behind-the-scenes footage, a decade of Comic-Con features, uh, Paley Festival featurette, Smallville's 100th episode, Making of a Milestone, an extended version of the original featurette included in the Season 5 set, Secret Origin, the American story of DC Comics, a feature-length documentary chronicling DC's 75 years of challenges, creativity, and triumph, and then audio commentary, deleted and extended scenes, gag reels, behind-the-scenes features, and much, much more from all 10 seasons. I cannot wait. This is going on my wish list for things I would like for my birthday and Christmas. I am super excited for this. Yeah, I guess it's okay. It's you fair. bite your goddamn tongue. <laughs> we would not We would not have Superman and Lois, Stargirl, Titans, Doom Patrol, or any of the other Arrowverse shows if Smallville did not run 10 seasons and be as successful as it was. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you never know. No, it definitely looks cool. I'm definitely excited. I for am it. too. And like I said, I, I just I, I need it on my shelf and I need it so I can watch it. Uh, moving on to some other news and some unfortunate news. It was announced late uh, last night as uh, on to on Tuesday night as uh, we record that Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul star Bob Odenkirk uh, collapsed on oh, set no. and was taken to the hospital. Uh, according to the Hollywood Reporter, Odenkirk, who was 58 years old, was filming the sixth and final season of Better Call Saul in Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, when an incident occurred. Crew members immediately responded to Odenkirk's collapse and an ambulance uh, for the star uh, to be swiftly taken to the hospital, where he remained Tuesday night. Uh it is not immediately clear what caused the collapse, though David Cross, who collaborated with Odenkirk on HBO's Mr. Show uh, with Bob and David, uh, assured fans that he would provide an update when possible. Quote, I will share what I know when I can, but Bob is one of the toughest, one of the strongest people I know, both physically and spiritually. He wrote on Twitter, he will get through this. Uh, no update is given as a recording, so we're not quite sure what, but stay tuned to social media. I'm sure you will find out what is going on. Uh, you did have a reaching out of some of the stars from both Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, uh, reach out in, in support, uh, especially Michael McKean, uh, who played Odenkirk's, uh, co-star and was one of his brothers or played his brother on Better Call Saul, tweeted, sending huge love to our at Mr. Bob Odenkirk. Uh, you got this brother. You also had the likes of one, uh, Brian uh, Cranston reach out on uh, reach out and say quote my friend Bob Odenkirk or so sorry uh, today I woke up to the news that has made me anxious all morning 
my friend Bob Odenkirk collapsed last night on the set of Better Call Saul. Please take a moment in your day today to think about him and send positive thoughts and prayers his way. Uh, thank you. Uh, you also had uh, the likes of Aaron Paul, uh, who played Jesse Pinkman on uh, Breaking Bad, post a photo on Instagram. It's a headshot of Bob Odenkirk, but he posted it with the caption, uh, I love you, my friend, and then a heart emoji. So definitely sending out our thoughts and well wishes uh, to Bob Odenkirk and for a speedy recovery. Absolutely. Positive thoughts and vibes out to him yes. right now. Uh, moving on to some movie news. Uh, it appears that the movie I didn't realize was in development is officially dead. Uh, so uh, there was apparently a movie titled McLean, which it was set to be a prequel to the Die Hard franchise, uh, is officially dead. Good. Uh, reading, from, <laughs> reading from an article on IGN.com, it says, quote, after spending more than five years in development on a sixth entry, the Die Hard franchise is now officially dormant. Producer Lorenzo de Bonaventura, Bonaventura uh, confirmed that McLean, a project conceived as both a prequel and sequel to the action series, was abandoned following the Disney Fox merger in 2019. Quote, yeah, no, it's not happening, uh, de Bonaventura told Polygon. What was really interesting was we actually came up with an idea to it. Uh, to do it. It was a project that wasn't Die Hard that then eventually shifted over to Die Hard. Close quote. Uh, McLean was set to feature Bruce Willis's return to the role of John McLean with a structure that would have shifted between a modern timeline and the 1970s. A different actor would have played a younger version of McLean with the story exploring the character's early days as a New York City police officer. Quote, what was interesting about our idea was it allowed you the ability to meet the young John McClane and use Bruce. It was really interesting in that way, so you sort of got to see both versions of him a bit like The Godfather Part 2. Close quote that from uh, the Bonaventura. Uh, the project had taped the Conjuring writers Chad and Carrie Hayes to rewrite the script. Additionally, Live Free or Die Hard director Len Weissman was reportedly set to return to the franchise and to helm the sequel. However, the project fell by the wayside after Disney acquired 21st Century Fox. Good. I'm sorry. I love this movie franchise in the beginning sure die hard one is classic and two is great too we don't need a prequel yeah like i'm not everything needs a prequel no you just don't i mean i i just don't see at this day and age where die hard people are demanding a prequel the fans are not really screaming out i mean you take a look at the last movie that came out about it and i thought it did okay at the box office but it wasn't a big hit it wasn't like whoa we didn't get everything going in production again so for me it's good. I'm not. I'm not mad about it, this, this at all. And, sure. And I hope they just don't revisit it. Like, let Die Hard be Die Hard. Yeah. It's a great movie. To watch Christmas time. Yeah. Uh, moving on to some Netflix news, and again, they continue to put out more and plan out more content featuring video games uh, because it is being reported uh, from the giant from Giant Freaking Robot uh, that Netflix is working on a Dragon Age uh, series. Really? Yeah. So according to an article from IGN.com. Uh, a, a Dragon Age TV series is reportedly in active development at Netflix. According to a report from Giant Freaking Robot, the sprawling epic fantasy universe of BioWare's Dragon Age game franchise is the latest title to have been selected for a series adaptation over at Netflix. The streaming giant is said to be actively working on the Dragon Age series, even though it hasn't been officially announced by Netflix or BioWare yet. Word of the series has allegedly come from a trusted and proven source. However, very little is known about the adaptation at this point, particularly in regards to whether the show would take an animated approach, much like Castlevania, or whether it would be live-action affair similar to The Witcher, though the report seems to indicate that it could be the latter. 
Bioware's popular action RPG game series takes place on the fictional continent of Thetis and follows the experiences of the fantasy crew that inhabit the vast mystical world. The franchise has spawned numerous spin-off games alongside its main series titles, including Dragon Age 4, which is currently in development. I, I am always a fan of getting good uh, video game adaptations, not bad ones. And so far, Netflix has hit like home runs out of the park with their video game adaptations. Castlevania is really good. You know, they've got The Witcher, which is an adaptation of both a book series and a video game that is fantastic. I know they're working on, I think it's a movie adaptation of the Ubisoft Tom Clancy game, The Division. Although mm. it's going to be real interesting to see how the crowd takes to that given the last year and a half because the game came out, the first game came out in like 2016, 2015. Very interesting concept at that time where a plague hits New York and things get a little crazy, but it's going to be interesting to see how people take to that now. Um, but now no, Netflix has been doing a lot of great work with video games, and there are a ton of great stories in video games. I know video games get kind of like pushed aside by some folks because, oh, it's for kids. Yeah. There's some awesome stories in video games that, if done right, make for fantastic TV series. Netflix has got the track record that we got to put some faith behind this. Yes. They have not dropped the ball, knocking on wood, that – we have to say, okay, let, let's let run with this. Because everything they've yeah. done lately has been spot on, including the Masters of the Universe show, yeah. which I, I have not finished, so I don't want to get into uh, a, a breakdown of that. But from what I've seen so far, I like. Sure. you got to give them credit where credit's due. And yeah. if the property holds up to their track record, they'll be fine. If it's not, well, the fans will let them know, and then yeah. we'll go in a different direction. Yeah, and speaking of shows Netflix has got coming that I am very surprised by, and I know my girlfriend Liz Bailey is going to be excited for this, uh, Netflix is apparently working on a live-action Pokemon series. Really? So, yeah, for those who don't know, Pokemon wow. Pokemon the animated anime is still going. Uh, Netflix secured the U.S. rights to it, because I know it had been on... Then it started on Kids WB, I think, and then from when I started watching. And then it eventually moved over to Cartoon Network, and it was on Cartoon Network for a long time. But the, the rights left Cartoon Network and were acquired by Netflix. So all of the new series are dropping, the, the new episodes, not weekly, but like in batches, kind of like what Netflix does, are dropping on Netflix. So Netflix has got the U.S. rights to Pokemon. So uh, according to an article from uh, IGN.com, uh, they say, quote, according to Variety, Henderson is slated to write and executive produce uh, the live adaptation of Pokemon. He is currently the co-showrunner on Netflix's popular Lucifer series based on the DC comic. Reports say the series is aiming to replicate Detective Pikachu, a 2019 live-action Pokemon movie starring Ryan Reynolds and Justice Smith. Uh, it was pretty good, actually. Uh, however, uh, Netflix's series is its own independent pr uh, production. Henderson, previously known for the show Almost Human, has been serving as Lucifer's co-showrunner since 2016 and moved with the series uh, when it was picked up by Netflix. It is now one of the more popular revivals Netflix has acquired from a cable network. Uh, Netflix is currently home to several existing Pokemon anime seasons and interested to develop a live action series stems from the anime's success on the streaming platform. Alongside acquiring more anime originals, Netflix is currently working on adapting several anime into live action shows, including Cowboy Bebop and One Piece. Uh, the Pokemon live action series is reportedly very early in development and there is neither, there are neither plot details nor casting uh, plans in place. Uh, close quote. So definitely very interesting. I know it's super 
super popular. The Pokemon stuff is very popular over on Netflix. Uh, when the new series and seri- uh, batch of episodes drop, they always are in like the top three on the stuff streaming at Netflix. I know they they uh, got the rights to the redo of the very first Pokemon movie that came mm. out in 1999 or something. Verbatim, the same story, just a little bit of the tweaks here and there, nothing too crazy. But it's instead of being 2D animation, it's CGI 3D animation. You know, so I, it's it's a huge hit for them. And I know when they got the first, like, two or three seasons of the anime, hugely popular when that dropped a couple of years ago. So definitely got to strike while the iron's hot with that. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, you take a look at not too long ago was that movie with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, with Detective, Detective Pikachu. Pikachu. Yeah, it was huge numbers. Yeah, did great big, movie. Did big numbers. And then remember pre-COVID, the app game with Pokemon Go? Oh, yeah, still popular, still going. Yeah, in fact, aren't they... Doing um, a, re- a revamp of that too. Or well, something? there's a, there's a new another game that came out, uh, Pokemon Unite, is that what I think it's called, where it's like a massive online battle. It's like a MOBA type of thing. Fair warning, though, um, it's fun from what I understand. I haven't delved into it myself. It's fun if you're into the MOBA f- style of games. Uh, there is a very heavy and very concerning amount of monetization in the game mm. where just if you kind of dig into it and you look at it and you crunch the numbers, you go, yeah, you almost need to pay to advance in this game. So I will, uh, I will probably not be checking it out, but if you do and you enjoy it, hey, more power to you. Fair enough. I just know that with those mobile games, they're doing a lot. And remember when the Pokemon Go first oh, yeah. came out? Oh, yeah. Everybody was running around everywhere. Oh, yeah. It's a great way to get people outside. If you want oh, to yeah. get your kids outside, I still play. I still play crazy. with my girlfriend. You know, every once in a while. You know, probably about once a month or so. Like we're actively we play it every once in a while. But like we'll go out once a month when they do their community day, where it's like one Pokemon is featured. You get a rare shiny version of that. You know, we still go out and do that once a month because it's it's a fun few hours. Oh yeah, sure. I'm not, I'm yeah. not knocking anybody who yeah. does it. I'm just saying, like, yeah. for the popularity that it is, like yeah. people don't think that that's still up there. It's like the DC. show, is, the show has been going for 20 years now. Yeah, it's wild. Which I again never thought would happen. It's insane. Yeah. Uh, speaking of insane and, and didn't be- couldn't believe it when I read it, Howard the Duck. How do you feel oh. about the movie, not the character? Oh my god. Oh wait, the movie. Okay, yes. the movie is 80s perfection it's wild it's nuts it's all over the watch place. it at your own risk exactly like it, it's the 1980s wrapped up in one yeah uh so there was an interview done with uh, by the hollywood reporter with chip zen who was the voice of howard the duck in the film we learned and i don't think many people knew this he was not the original choice to voice said uh duck in the film oh no uh, Robin Williams, which was originally shut off. Yeah, Robin Williams was originally tapped to uh, voice Howard the Duck. That so, would have been crazy. So again, reading from IGN.com, uh, the late Rob quote: "The late Robin Williams was originally cast to voice Howard the Duck in Marvel and Lucasfilm's movie of the same name, but he quit after a week due to voice syncing frustrations." This news comes by way of the Hollywood Reporter, who learned of this casting revelation in an interview with Chip Zian. Uh, the person who was called in to voice Howard after Williams quit. Uh, THR also spoke with the actor, actor who plays uh, played Howard's love interest in the film, Leah Thompson, uh, about this film and the notoriety it uh, quickly garnered upon release. Quote, what I was told was by the third day, Robin said, I can't do this. It is insane. I can't get the rhythm of this. I am being confined. I am being handcuffed to mouth the, to match the flapping duck's bill. So, uh, Zian said, so on Memorial day, 1985, I got a call from my agent who said, you have, you have to get right to the airport. Robin Williams just quit. And you're now Howard the duck. 
You need to get there tonight. There is a ticket waiting for you at the counter. I was incredibly excited. Uh, Diving further into why Williams quit, it wasn't necessarily that the role was just voiceover. It's that the scenes featuring Howard had already been shot, meaning that Williams would need to voice the lines in such an exact way that they line up with the uh, footage of the character that had already been shot. This hampered Williams' famous improvisational style, see Disney's Aladdin, and the frustration became enough for the actor uh, that he quit before the first week was done. Uh, Zien went on to say that he had signed on for a total of three films. Uh, He was also set to work uh, as a fill-in host on Entertainment Tonight, become the voice of AT&T, and receive the rights to talking Howard the Duck dolls. It was overwhelming, he said. However, when Howard the Duck hit 1,554 theaters on August 1st, 1986, it took in just $5 million in its first weekend. Uh, The Hollywood Reporter reports that the movie's reported budget was more than $45 million, including marketing, and when it was all said and done, the movie raked in just $16.2 million domestically and $37.9 million worldwide. It was technically Marvel's first box office bomb. Uh, anyone familiar with the character likely knows that Howard the Duck is now officially part of the MCU. Uh, he showed up in Guardians 1 and 2. So, yeah, Robin Williams was almost Howard the Duck. That's mind-blowing. That is just absolutely mind-blowing to me. Yeah. He would have been completely out of control, if, and they would have rewrote that entire script, and that would have been hysterical. And, that, and that's Robin Williams' style, where he voices the character before they animate or whatever computer-generate the character, and that's famous from his work with Aladdin because a lot of his mannerisms and what he did in the booth made it into that movie that yeah. like the genie was going to be this character. He was going to be a little comedic and a little funny, but not to the degree until Robin Williams came in and voiced the character famously, might I add. Yeah, that's yeah. If only man. Yeah. Wow. And, and one last one before I get to my comic picks, because this is some interesting news. Uh, apparently the review embargo is up for Suicide Squad. Oh, uh, not reading any reviews and not reading what people think, but I saw the Rotten Tomato score uh, out of 55. Current, let me just refresh it because I opened it a little bit ago uh, out of the. Yep. OK, still at 55 reviews currently on Rotten Tomato. It is sitting at 98 percent. Holy smokes, man. Yeah, because what's the the records like? What? Ninety six. Something like that. Holy smokes. Yeah, so it's so it's sitting at 96, 96 uh, percent. Glad yeah. I got my tickets. I'm ready for that. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I'm looking and I'm looking at the uh, critic reviews for Suicide Squad. There's one person who has a, a negative review. Everybody else has got like really positive things to say about it. Super excited for that. Yeah, definitely. We'll be talking about that next week, obviously for the preview. But yeah. man, oh man, oh man, oh man. Yeah, can't wait to see that movie. Yeah. Uh, and then for my pick comic picks this week, you've got Action Comics issue one, uh, 1033 out this week. Amazing Spider-Man issue number 71. Nick Spencer still writing. Uh, Sinister War is still ongoing. Enough said. Uh, Detective Comics issue number uh, 1040. Uh, you've got the insanity with that. Um, I mean, Christ, I'm showing Ken the cover of this. Yo. Uh, literally, Bruce Wayne is behind bars. That's what it says on the cover. Bruce Wayne is in jail. Detective is so underrated. Uh, the, the little description reads, When the cops brought Bruce Wayne in for questioning last month, a giant money man with a bazooka and a must- mustache for days blew the place up. It's not a joke. Hmm. Uh, so what's the mean, what's that mean for Gotham's ex-favorite son? Well, it means Bruce Wayne has to spend a weekend in lockup. Can Batman's alter ego go the weekend without getting stabbed? I suppose, to be fair, he's uh, he's stabbed on the reg as Batman. Anyway, anyway. 
Uh, plus, a major Batman villain meets his death in a story that will rock the world of Gotham City in a monstrous way. Do not miss the night uh, redacted uh, was killed by Dan uh, Waters and Kyle Holtz. Cannot wait to read that one. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, and then some more picks. Uh, you've got Star Wars The High Republic, issue number seven, uh, coming from Kevin Scott. So definitely excited for that. Uh, Star Wars Adventures, issue number seven, uh, coming from the folks over at IDW. Uh, and then also we've got the mainline uh, Star Wars uh, comic, uh, issue number 15 from the great Charles Soule, which reads, Friends and enemies, Luke Skywalker embarks upon an epic mission with Wedge Antilles and the brave pilots of Starlight Squadron to rescue a lost division of Rebel Fleet uh Rebel Fleet, uh, Leia Organa, Chewbacca, and Lando Calrissian attempt to save Han Solo from the evil clutches of Boba Fett. Uh, but what hidden vision will the Force send to Luke about the troubles to come? So definitely excited to read that. Plus, it's from Charles Soule. Can't go wrong. No, you can't. Uh, you've got Transformers Beast Wars issue number six, uh, which, is, again, is the fantastic retelling of the original uh, series. Which with little tweaks, and i got to mention, uh, the final chapter in Transformers... Uh, War for Cybertron, whatever the hell it's called, with the Beast Wars making their triumphant return, comes out on Netflix this week. Mm. Just saying. Uh, description of the comic, though, reads Savage Landing Part 6. It's a siege on the Axelon as the Predacons attempt to end the Beast Wars before they even begin by bringing down the Maximals and their base. As Megatron and his loyal question mark troops launch their assault, one bot on Optimus Primal's ship decides to put it all on the line and uh, to help the others turn the tide. So definitely excited for that. And then you've got the United States of Captain America issue number two uh, coming out from Marvel. On my end for comic picks, definitely want to plug two that we have new blogs on parlay points for. Okay. Now, one is a book that has been highly recommended to me from our friends over at Comic Book Keepers. I know our guy Brian Wayne from Cheers of Comics is talking about this one. And that is by Vault Comics. Mm -hmm. And it's Barbaric Number 2. By Michael Morrissey okay. and Nathan Gooden. Okay, so here is the whole concept. You got a badass barbarian that is cursed to do good. Okay. He has what appears to be like a symbiotic ex that is his moral guide, but is easily distracted with a good beverage or two. Sure. And they get connected with a necromancer, and the insanity begins. Sure. It's fantastic. I love this book. I cannot speak highly enough about it. It pops off the page. There's a lot of good to be read with it. So if you like fun fantasy action, this is your book. Guarantee you. So definitely look for Barbaric number two on the shelves by Vault. And, of course, we have Shadowman number four. Mm. Now, Pad, you know I'm a huge fan of this book. Yes. I do love a lot of Valiant Comics. Uh, Cullen Bunn and John Davis Hunt absolutely crush it again. With this issue, it's the end of the first story arc. A wild cliffhanger they give you. Okay. I don't want to spoil too much, but damn, they have really teetered a line between superheroes and supernatural. Mm. And they're doing it exceptionally flawless. It is on point each issue. The art is fantastic. It's creepy imagery, which you get from the horror aspect of it. Sure. With basic superhero elements mixed in. And Cullen Bunn is absolutely just crushing it with the storytelling. Like, he can really set up the scenario where it's just straight-up horror movie uh. and then flip it to heroes. It is a very cool, fresh take on Jack Boniface. I can't recommend this enough. And like I say, if you haven't gotten into Valiant Comics, do yourself a favor. 
get on board now. I am saying this as a fan mm-hmm. because they put out solid work. They've always put out solid work. I have been a fan of them since in the 90s when they first came out. This is definitely living up to the quality stuff. And if you're looking for something that's different than the superhero genre, I mean, they do have superhero books. They do write them very well. But Shadow Man is one that teeters on that line. It's more of a horror hero comic than anything, but it's damn cool. Mm. So definitely want to give that some recommendations when you head down to the LCS. And, of course, support your favorite comic podcasts as well. That being said, my one-shots, let's keep it in the comic realm. Because when I heard about this comic news, I nearly lost my damn mind. Reading from the Hollywood Reporter, Mm -hmm. quote, Scott Snyder, the prolific comic book writer known for his work on DC's Batman and Justice League, uh, an original project such as American Vampire and Witches, is lining up a roster of creator-owned projects that boast an impressive array of artists. Snyder and his best jacket press have signed a deal to co-create eight titles for Comixology Originals. These titles will debut via the Amazon-owned digital comic service and Kindle, then appear in print via Dark Horse Books. Mm. Among the lead books in this is a book called We Have Demons. Hmm. Pad, do you want to guess who the artist is on this? Uh, Greg Capullo? Hell Yeah! The dynamic duo is back. I said it, and I'm standing by it. My guys are back doing a book together, creator-owned. Just take my money now. Just take it. I don't need it. Just go. All right, hand it over. Yeah, I'll be handed to make sure. So the titles are scheduled to start rolling out in October. So definitely keep some you know, eyes on this. Save up some money now. Sure. I mean, this is just a cool, cool project that is going on. And like I said, I cannot speak more highly about this. Like, just the fact that we have a creator-owned book by Snyder Capullo coming out, let alone he has a few other artists that he's working with, some other titles. Uh, Like, support the hell out of this. This just sounds like such a cool concept that they're doing. And especially if you're going through comicology, that's a cool thing to do. And I'm not saying go away from the comic shops. You should definitely buy the books in print, too. I support them either way because, I mean, this is just the medium that you need to get behind. So I'm definitely excited for this. So definitely check that out when it hits in October. Super, super excited about this. And keeping it uh, Batman news, too. We did hear that there is some news involving the Spotify podcast that is coming out. So there is a podcast coming out called Batman Unburied. Hmm. So, and it's uh, tied with screenwriter David S. Goyer from The Dark Knight. Okay. And we did hear that there has been a couple voice actors named. Okay. Winston Duke is playing, is will be voicing Bruce Wayne. Uh, we know him from the movie Black Panther. Yeah. And Harry Potter actor, okay. Jacek Isaacs, Ooh. is tagged as Alfred. Interesting. So he normally plays bad guys. Yes. So this is very interesting when this is coming. Uh, so definitely keep an ear out for it as more information breaks. We'll definitely be talking about it as it's coming, but this is the initial casting uh, going on with this podcast. So I am excited. And like I say, the, if you're a fan of the comic podcasts, like we know about the Wolverine one that was on Wol- Stitcher. Wolverine that did the two seasons. They did one for the Fantastic Four. 
Uh, they've currently got one going for Old Man Star Lord and Rocket, which is fan fucking tastic. Uh, they got they got a lot to live up to with the, the stuff Marvel's been doing because they've been really good and really well produced. Yes. So there's no timetable about the release, but you know what? Seriously, with this lineup going, <laughs> I can't wait to check this out. Winston Duke is going to crush it as Bruce Wayne. So that being said, a couple trailers I want to talk about. Well, one movie and one trailer before I close out the show. Sure. So trailer-wise, we did have the latest come from Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh, yeah. Now, I know, Pat, you're not familiar with this franchise. I'm not, no. I'm not, I'm not using it as a bash or anything. No, and people may be saying, oh, have you never seen Ghostbusters? All right, well, folks, let me, let me paint a little picture for you here. Uh, the first movie came out before I was born. The second movie came out the year I was born. Mm. Uh, and then the various animated series came out before I was born. Uh, and my parents never owned the films on VHS. So I just never had an opportunity to see it. And it's never been one of those like, oh, I want to go out and watch. It's like, it's just like, oh, yeah, it's a thing. Right. Well, for me, obviously, that was one franchise I grew up on. So I was super excited to hear about this remake. Uh, I know that there's been a couple since yeah. the movie came out uh, originally back in the 80s. So... This one, though, definitely captures that vibe. And the latest trailer definitely touches upon the 84 classic. There's a lot of Easter eggs going on, especially involving marshmallows. And I'm just super excited to see where this goes. We know that uh, Paul Rudd, the Paul Rudd, is starring in this movie, along with Finn Wolfhard, who we know from Stranger Things. Yeah. So we got to wait to kind of see, because I know this is connecting with the original Ghostbusters franchise, especially there is a voice at the end of the trailer Mm. that I think I know who that is, but I don't want to play spoiler. Because if you have watched Ghostbusters, you you have an idea who it is. It's going to connect a lot of things. A lot of nostalgia that if you watch the original franchise, you're going to absolutely be in your happy place about this. Can't wait to check this movie out when it drops. Slated November 11th. So... Stay tuned for that. Cool. And I did actually get to see a movie. I know Pat didn't, but he says he has no issue with me talking about it. No, God. That is one Snake Eyes. Oh, yeah. Which came in third at the box office this week. M. Night Shyamalan's old. Got number one. I, I'm not surprised by that. The, the con- From the trailers and just the whole premise of the movie, old seems very wild. Like, what the hell is going on? But that's Shyamalan for you. Yeah, I mean, that's typical of him. I was actually surprised. I thought Snake Eyes would draw out a little bit more of the fan yeah. base. Um, without going too spoilery here, uh, they are right. I think it's the best one of the G.I. Joe franchise. But That's not a high bar. It's not a high bar. The action is phenomenal. The action is very, very cool. They do a lot of cool stuff in this movie. Um, but the story is not the best. Sure. Um, it's kind of around that Fast 9 level, if you catch my drift. Mm, okay, yeah. But you're not... I always tell people, like, if you're going to a movie that's based off a cartoon, like a G.I. Joe, a Transformers... Sure. Are you really going for the script, or are you really going to see just the crazy action? I mean, you're going for... Well, no. First of all, if it's G.I. Joe specifically, you're going for the nostalgia. Yeah. You're going, you're going for the nostalgia, and then you're going for the action. Right. That's what I mean with this. So it's like everybody's like complaining about the script. It's like, yeah, but you kind of know what you're getting into. when Were you, you, expe- were you expecting Citizen Kane? Yeah. Like, what the hell? Yeah, exactly. Like I was reading some online reviews, and I'm like, yeah, what were you really expecting? Like, they did tinker around a little bit with the origin mm-hmm. and they tried giving snake eyes played by henry golding uh a redemption arc yeah so to speak and it, and i know that it was a little confusing at first but like i said this had more of a fast furious vibe to it of how they were writing it mm-hmm. and it was, like i said mm-hmm. 
a lot of stuff was moving fast, no pun intended, uh, but they were kind of just getting through the story just to get to the action, which I'm, like I said, I wasn't mad about. I was like, okay, great. Perfect. We're here. Uh, with the bonus scene at the end, I mean, obviously, I think they were planning on doing more G.I. Joe movies, so it'll be interesting to see how this kind of plays out. A couple things were really forced in this movie, too. Sure. Which, um, yeah, like, I remember even, like, kind of forced into, uh, just because it should have just been kept around Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow, who was mm-hmm. played by Andrew Kochi. Okay. I think the minute you started adding in other elements of G.I. Joe yeah. and Cobra to a degree, I think it really kind of hurt the film. Mm. And plus, there was a moment in the film, too, where they had a perfect time. I'll use a wrestling term. They had a perfect time to turn Storm Shadow heel. Sure. And they didn't. Mm. So when it happened later in the film, because I'm sorry, it's not really a spoiler if you've seen G.I. Joe, so just just putting that out there. I felt they really came off flat. Okay. But if they did it the one time, I thought they would nail that out of the park. I'm like, sure. okay, great. But if you're looking for a fun summer action movie. You are going to get out of the heat. Yeah. G.I. Joe is worth your time. Snake Eyes is. It will definitely bring back nostalgia for you. The origin is very different than what you've seen in the comic and in previous incarnations. But it's not the end of the world. But like I say, they kind of stretch things out for a movie purpose. Like you can kind of get that vibe because they want to build up towards the action, which, like I said, the action's on point. In fact, the best action sequences you'll see is played by Peter Mensa, who plays the blind master. Mm. I'm just going to leave you with that because he was phenomenal in his action scenes. So if you're looking for a movie to kind of escape the heat with, this will be up your alley. And if not, you know, like I say, there's other movies coming out that we got a lot to recap, kind of the ODPH, so we definitely will give you a lot to check out in the movie theaters moving forward for the rest of the year. But Snake Eyes, definitely let us know what you think on hashtag ODPHpod. Did you love it? Did you hate it? And why? Because I like to talk about G.I. Joe with everybody. Pat, that all being said, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH comes from our good friends at Shout Out the Robots. They've been playing some live gigs out. Yeah. And they've been absolutely killing it. If I want to find out more about them, where do I go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over the music section. You check out everything going on with them. Everything going on with Second Suitor, who is playing a show. Uh-huh. And a possible wrestling match. I I'm, And I stand by what I said on Second Suitor's post. Uh, no no disrespect. My money's on Sean. Yeah, Sean Carr, the Excite Wrestling Champion, versus Tyler. I don't know. That could get kind of crazy for the Suitor belt. Why are you, what are we talking about? Well, simple. If you go over to the music section, you can click on the Facebook page for Second Suitor. You can find out all about the show on the X going on August 6th. Suitor Bowl, or Suitor Slam, rather. You can find out all about that. You can also find out about everything going on with Floodlands, everything going on with Yard Party, everything going on with Tom Jolu, who has a fantastic album coming out, or out right now. I should say coming out, but I've had it for a while. It's fine. It's fantastic. Brian Wolf, too. Man, so many musicians allow us to play their stuff on the show, and we're so grateful for that. And that's why we say support the hell out of them. We make it so easy for you. Swing it over the music section. Click right away. Also, right at the webpage, check out The Classifieds, which has friends of the show, such as Dragon Master Games, Excite Wrestling. You have organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter. You have all the amazing pod groups we are in via the Podchaser pages. Because, frankly, if you're not on Podchaser with your pod group, you're not in a pod group. Just saying. So definitely want to shout out everybody in the Apocalypse and everybody in Inner Circle. And, of course, everybody in hashtag 607 Podcast. Rich, Ron, Mike C., and, of course, hashtag Big Natty Cool Diesel, who will have a lot to say, along with Rich, about the egregious comments made about GCW Homecoming on 607 TWS this week. 
So if you're not following twitch.tv slash 67 podcast, make sure that you do. Because, oh, I think that's going to have some fireworks. Yeah, just a few. Just a few. All of that and so much more at odphpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Kenna. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.